This is the Bobcast, a podcast exploring Reformed theology through the works of Herman Bobink. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Bobcast. I'm Andrew Smith. And I'm Caleb Castro. Today is a special day on the Bobcast. We are inviting in our first ever guest. Is that really special? Well, I guess that depends on what you think of our guest. Okay, so we'll we'll have to get uh, feedback, uh, complaints, and comments afterwards to tell us if it was special or if it was just terrible. I would lean towards the latter, but we'll see. <laughs> so, Andrew, who's our guest today? Well, our guest today is someone that if you've been listening to Bobcast, you've actually heard him a lot, whether or not you've thought about it. He is the voice of our theme music. He wrote and performed the song City of God, which... We have been using as our theme music on Bobcast since the beginning. Wait, what? I thought I thought our theme music was the SpongeBob SquarePants song. Uh no, we couldn't get the rights to that. It was a little too that's expensive. That's awful. <laughs> okay, well, so yeah, that's why we had to go with uh, City of God. Yeah, it's a shame, really. That would have been lit with SpongeBob. Yeah, I mean, Tom Kenny's a little hard to book these days. The voice actor of SpongeBob, anyway, so. So we have here with us today, Rudy Manrique. Say hi, Rudy. Hello, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, Andrew, I know I'll probably be seeing you in a couple of weeks. and Not if I see you first. That Yeah, that's true. I mean, for the most part, you do avoid me anyways when I, we see you on, I see you on campus. But, uh, I mean, that's a good thing. I try to avoid you as well. Um, <laughs> Amen. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I moved halfway across the country to another seminary. Yes. And I'm here right here. Uh, I'm in Caldwell, Caldwell, Idaho. Why is it? Is it? Why does it look like Chadwell? Rudy is actually recording uh, with me uh, out where I am interning right now. He's uh, out on a little uh, visit before the summer end saying hi. It's been a while. It's been a while since I could. <laughs> Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about like who you are, uh, yeah. just a little bit about your, yeah. your background, your family, your yeah. life, uh, fears, social yeah. security. Yeah. Okay. So, yes. My name, actually, my name isn't actually Rudy. It's Rodolfo. Rodolfo Ramos Manrique. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. There you go. I'm 33 years old, so it makes me probably older than all you guys. It's even older <laughs> than Andrew. Yep. Yeah, so born and raised in Southern California, born into a uh, nominal, very nominal, uh, nominal, uh, is that how you say it? Nominal? Nominal. 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 Very nominal uh, Roman Catholic family, you know, standard born in a Mexican uh, family, so baptized Roman Catholic and did my catechism and uh, wasn't raised in the faith whatsoever. I quote unquote believed there was a God. But uh, it had no effect on my life whatsoever. Even in my teenage years, I was a a very very rebellious uh, kid. But um, the Lord, in His sovereign grace and in His goodness and mercy, plucked me out of the fire, so to speak, uh, when I was 18 years old, and actually got saved at a Pentecostal church. Uh, the change was very very dramatic and uh, night and day, as they say. Fast forward to right now, I'm currently a, an MDiv student at a uh, Westminster Seminary, California, with Andrew. Air horn. Ear, ear, ear. <laughs> I know, yeah. And uh, for a time with Caleb, that's where I met Caleb. 
sad trombone. So, um, yeah, currently I'm in, uh, I'm, I'm on the four year track. I'm beginning my third year and right now I'm currently in a PCA church. Uh, I'm an intern at Grace Presbyterian church in Yorba Linda. I love it. Uh, I love to play the guitar. I love music. Uh, Love to read theological books, obviously, and I I love a good beer. Um, love hanging out. So I uh, got married about three years ago to uh, my lovely, beautiful wife Emily, and we just had our first child this past March on uh, March eighth, and that is my interest right now. I love hanging out with my baby boy. And what is his name? His name is also Rodolfo, <laughs> Rodolfo Junipero Manrique. But in Hebrew, it's Rudy, Ben Rudy, yeah. Ben Rudy, Ben Rudy, Ben Rudy. But short, we call him Juni, Juni Junipero. <laughs> so Rudy, the reason that we have you on here and the reason you're on our podcast every week is because you're a musician and you've written and recorded songs. So tell us a little bit about that, uh, your life your experience with music and particularly with christian music growing up a teenager obviously uh you know you discover music but uh in particular when i was in high school i fell in love with the punk rock scene and that's why i started picking up the guitar and was in a bunch of bands and whatnot I started writing my own music very early on obviously i was not a christian so yeah i was in a pop punk band we were called a uh, morning drive and all in all all these weird names or whatever but anyways and then once i became a a, a christian i sort of put away the guitar i sort of you know kind of gave that up for about a year it wasn't until I moved, I was at a church service and one of the the youth leader at that church he kind of he he went up to me he didn't know who I am he didn't didn't know anything about me but he said hey you look like a musician <laughs> and you want to come and play you want to come and play uh for our youth youth uh youth group and I'm like uh yeah I, well I am a musician but I mean sure. I was like, I don't know any worship songs. I don't know anything. I don't know. I don't know how to play any of those songs. He's like, Nah, don't worry about it. Just come, just come and uh, just play. I'm like, all right. So, oh man, it was a train wreck. I remember a uh, <laughs> funny little experience. We were playing that one song. You know, uh, you came from heaven to earth. <laughs> it was me on an electric Sadly, guitar. Sadly, I can never forget it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was... uh, I think we can never forget it in about 50 languages. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure you're, are, some, some, some of the listeners can relate to that. Um, and it's probably stuck in their head. So I do apologize for that. So our first, my first ever experience uh, leading worship was with me on an electric guitar, full on distortion, you know, just and then with my friend um, who had just got saved the week before, and he was with one drumstick playing the drum, like just one drumstick. <laughs> it was horrible. Why and one drumstick? I, we could be, you know, we don't have that. We, we, we only had one drumstick, basically. It was just horrible. And then, of course, I, uh, I kind of grew up in my early adulthood being a worship leader in, in, in various Pentecostal churches, Calvary Chapel, and even even some Reformed churches. So when, when it comes to the theme song, uh, The City of God, I'm a, I'm a huge Augustine fan. Um, he's probably my favorite theologian. Sorry. Now let's I'm, hold on there. I know. <laughs> Are you in, you're in the Augustine camp or the Augustine camp? Well, what I, is his name? Uh, so I, I kind of take the Cornelius Van Til approach. Um, Augustine is a city in Florida. Florida. Augustine is in heaven. So, um, <laughs> Amen. Van so, uh, uh, yes. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a huge uh, Augustine fan. And 
Obviously, as Augustine has a book entitled The City of God, I think what inspired that song most was that there's there's a lack of uh, quote unquote contemporary uh, and I don't want to call it a worship song because I don't I don't think it is in that technical term as we think of it. But there's there's no songs that talk about an eschatological, you know, the the. the the city of God and like all millennialism and we're, we, I, th- I feel like, I felt like we lacked those types of songs. So that was, that was, um, uh, kind of my main motive for, for writing that song. Like I've never heard besides, I think I can only think of Shy Lin, whoever even references the word, the millennium in his song. And I've never heard another song reference the millennium. So, the actual words the millennium so um that's a yeah. i mean that's a good point where i mean uh, as a whole there is you're saying like a a lack of say reformed uh positions or reformed theology in uh music Correct. as a whole yeah, yeah. Uh, not yeah. just christian music yeah uh, we, we'll, we want to get back to that a little bit later um because it's a really good point so you but you've been telling us that you've uh basically You've been in some, uh, you know, uh, church worship teams. From knowing you, you know, we've been, uh, we know that you've been a, a worship uh, leader, or as some churches would say, a worship pastor, worship director, whatever. Are you still doing that right now? Uh, where, where, where are you kind of at with all that right now? Gotcha. So, okay, recently I actually kind of came out of that whole thing uh, for other reasons, uh, for various reasons that we could get into, but. Uh, I'm I'm no longer a worship leader right now. I'm I'm strictly sticking to pastoral intern uh, work and uh, focusing on my studies. And you know, I feel like the Lord that that is gu- guiding me in that direction. I mean, what led me to to get kind of get out of being a worship leader? I think it it's I've over the um, you know, especially being at at Westminster and uh, diving in more into reform theology and and developing my convictions throughout you know maybe maybe the last two years two and a half years is a desire to to be discerning i think uh when it comes to worship music uh especially especially when we think of contemporary worship music and and the the churches that are putting out this music it's i mean i'll just come right out and say it a lot of it's littered with false teaching. And as a worship leader, I was very, very convicted that essentially by me singing these songs, I was kind of giving my stamp stamp of approval upon them. And when I was very, very, I mean, I would, I would, I would, I would go so far as to say I was very afraid that because of my stamp stamp of approval upon these songs about uh, and the churches that are promoting this music and and releasing this music that some of the members of the congregation where I was the worship leader would obviously look up look up the songs on YouTube and then that would lead them to uh look up the pastors of these churches and they would start listening to their teachings and it's and these teachings are obviously littered it's with falsehood, with um, wrong doctrine, and I was just very, very scared that some of the some of my friends and uh, some of the, the, my friends at church would would start following these these individuals. I think you're on to something with that because I spent some time in a past life as a worship leader too, and I saw a similar effect. You start 
singing songs by certain large popular churches mm-hmm. and then people start going down the road and following the teaching of those churches and it often leads to some problematic places theologically mm-hmm. and practically such as talking about uh believing in uh living in a past life andrew I was using the <laughs> idiomatic use. This was in my current life, but in an earlier time. I am a bit removed from that now. Sure. Hey, sure. Andrew, was this past life when you had hair? Part of it. I have been without uh, hair for a long time. We, you need to qualify that, Rudy. When he had hair on the top half on, of on his the, head. On the top half. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I mean, okay, uh, here's the thing. I'm pretty sure Andrew is probably jealous of my hair, my hairdo, but <laughs> nah, I will say, not so I will much. say, Andrew, I am very uh, covetous and envious of your beard. Well, you so, should be. Yes. Um, <laughs> so what do you think the appeal is? What do you think the draw is to that kind of worship, that style of worship with the bands and the very popular and emotional songs that are coming out of these big churches? So I think... Um, especially when I was involved in, in that, it was emotionalism. It makes you feel a certain way. You know, you get the goosebumps, as they would say. Um, but they would call it the anointing. Um, yeah, those are very different things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and even then, yeah, very different things. <laughs> yeah. So I think the, 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 the massive draw is, is people want to connect. They want to feel the presence of the Lord. They want to have an experience with the Lord. They want his presence. And and, and, and a lot of these circles, though, use like the, the, the terms, you know, the presence of the Lord was tangible, you know, was thick. And, um, you know, I, I still don't even know. I still don't even know what that means. But um, that's the kind of the language that's being thrown around in these church, churches. And I think that's that's a desire, um, which is a good desire in the sense of wanting to to connect with the Lord, to uh, worship Him, uh, but at the end of the day, um, it is it is ranked with with emotionalism, uh, empiricism, uh, subjectivity. Sub- it's it's all subjective, and it is at the end of the day that's that's where it falls into. It's just nothing but uh, wanting to to have an experience with God. So do you think that experience is real? Do you think it's authentic? I think God in his grace cuz obviously like we we like I was I was saved at a Pentecostal church. And we all know that there's probably there's massive problems in the Pentecostal church. Um but uh you know they're considered brothers and sisters in the Lord. And uh yeah, I would say that the experiences uh of these people they they do the they do love the Lord. They they do have a relationship with the Lord. Some of them, um, not all of them, do. If we're considering this, uh, another way to phrase this: uh, say, um, for one thing, does God use uh, worship music, praise music, uh, a praise band to save uh, people, to save individuals? On the surface level, my my direct answer it would be no. Reason being is, uh, especially in uh, when we talk about the means of grace, some uh, some Christians in some churches have, they've even categorized worship as a means of grace now. Hmm. What do you, what do you mean by that? Now uh, we 
Yeah, if you want to just for the listeners gotcha. uh, okay. to find that. Uh, the means of grace are basically the way God communicates his saving grace in a visible, uh, tangible way. Uh, and I would, you know, those means of grace would be like uh, the word preached, um, the administration of the sacraments. And um, I'm in the PCAs and they would uh, also count uh, prayer as a means of grace. But uh, the problem with with the contemporary worship music uh, scene or uh, uh, whatever you want to call it is they have turned these uh, they have turned music. They've included music in that where yeah. God, God communicates his grace in that. So you're saying that they turn uh, music, even with praise bands into a means of grace. And Correct. this is kind of what you said earlier, how, uh, they basically make uh, the experience of listening to music like a tangible thing mm -hmm. to them. Interesting. Yes. Well, I think it's also interesting when you think about the content of that music, because on one hand, they're treating it like a means of grace, and they're treating it like how God communicates to people. And yet at the same time, when you look at the content of those songs, uh, particularly as time goes on, it seems like the most popular worship songs become more and more devoid of actual biblical content it seems like mm -hmm. they just become more like empty and self-focused like it's all about me and how i feel and how i'm going to be strong and victorious and and great correct and that's it, you hit it right on the head andrew and also i want to kind of give a little uh you know you know obviously to to the listeners of bobcast i mean i don't want to say that these everyone that's involved in these you know if your church sings these songs or that you know you're not a christian that um you don't know the lord that's not true but definitely uh when when it comes to the 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 issue of the me focused music you know that's what i i call it as well me focused it's what it basically is at at its core level it's what god does for me what who i am in god uh what uh what can i get out of god things like that um uh, who are your who who are the giants that God slays in your life, and what are the Goliaths that God is destroying, and uh, anything is possible, and and you know if you just believe. And, and how many chains get broken? <laughs> Break every chain, bro. All the every chains. Chain. Every so chain. many chains. <laughs> <laughs> Not a uh, chain left with which to pull a log. Yeah. So this uh, this puts us back into then um, another form of a question. I mean, it is so we were talking about the music side. Now, what about those doing music, those making the music, such as uh, used to be a worship leader? Uh, is a praise team or a worship band actually necessary to worship? No, I would say no. It's not. It's not necessary. Um, what happens with uh, praise bands is that becomes the focus rather than an accompaniment, um, hmm. and that's that's where the problem is. Hence why the contemporary worship music scene, it's all about record sales. And I, for a time, I was even trying to do that, you know? Um, I know. <laughs> and if you're interested in buying uh, the City yeah, of God. If you're interested in buying the City of God, it's on sale <laughs> for seven ninety nine on iTunes, you know? <laughs> no. <laughs> but, uh, I think you hit on a really good point, though, because thinking back to my own experience in worship leading... I call it a pendulum swing I was on. It was constantly back and forth between like this sort of narcissism where 
if things were going good, I felt really good. And everybody was patting me on the back and saying, good job, man. And then we're swinging the other way into despair where if things weren't going well, like if we weren't, you know, feeling the move of the spirit or whatnot, that that was on me and that was my failure. And it was really just like a draining, exhausting season of life to be in just where it felt like everything was riding on me as the worship leader. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, to, to even add on that, Andrew, not, not even the emotional side of it, but also the presentation side of things. Cause being a, I mean, also, once again, if, um, if you're a worship leader and listening to this, you know, we don't, I'm not, we're not saying this to condemn you. We're not, uh, but we're just being, we're, we're, Speaking about our experiences, and um, yeah. obviously that doesn't count. I mean, our experiences at the end of the day aren't good; they're not truth per se. But, anyways, the the performance side of thing was also a very exhausting thing for me as well because um, maybe you relate to this, Andrew. Um, the lighting had to be perfect. Um, the chord changes had to the be sound. just the, yeah. The sound had to be oh man, the, the sound, slides. the slides. They had to be correct. They had to, um, the, the, the lighting had to be a certain color on this song. And, uh, and during the worship, because it, it, it's so funny too, because if you're on a praise team, they, a worship band, you know, there's a time of praise and there's a time of worship, right? Mm-hmm. And then on the, the, the praise side of it is just like this, you know, kind of celebratory songs and, you know, praise the Lord. And then when we get to, the time of worship it's it's the you know it's the how he loves songs slow it down slow it down Mm. and and uh you know with the massive builds and and things of that nature and that was an exhausting thing as well but pragmatism i would say you hit a you hit a a point here where you were already noting a distinction that the congregation or the church there or the praise team even was making between praise itself and worship. Uh, so, I mean, what what would be, say, uh, a definition of worship, though? Uh, what is worship, for that matter? Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a million-dollar question right there. It's from the Greek term shablala. Shablala. <laughs> that's actually Proskuneo. <laughs> Proskuneo or something like that. <laughs> And I know it, for a fact you know Greek better than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Andrew. That's probably the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Um, yeah, don't get used to it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, worship, worship is what we've been created to do. I mean, it, it, that sounds so cliche, right? Um, and we hear it all the time. We were we were created to worship, but I think uh, the best definition that I, you know. Uh, that I could think of is, you know, Westminster Confession of Faith, uh, question and answer number one. Uh, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Hmm. And the problem with with the contemporary worship scene or music or, or whatever is they they separate that. They think worship is just the music side of it. Now, they'll also... they'll They'll admit that, yeah, worship is a lifestyle, but what I don't understand is why do they have those categories in a worship service that we're going to go into a time of worship, you know? It's kind of making a false impression that, yeah. 
where because then other elements of the service like the ministry of the word and prayer and that sort of thing then are yeah as consequence not worship correct and also even the giving of of alms and uh giving uh that that's an act of worship of, as well and this is the problem i i think i find with uh uh worship music in in church in in that category um of the music side of it is that it gets kind of carp uh what do you say carp uh uh compartmentalized carp, yeah there you go thank you yeah see i know it became I know, magic yeah, see i know yeah, yeah i know greek better than english yeah that's what happened in, in a worship service so yes andrew i you know that you hit it right on the head as well so in this manner for worship though uh if worship is what we're created to do, if, if it is the chief end of man, then it is something that is or should have been in us by nature. It is something that we are entirely designed to do mm-hmm. in uh, in all of our capacities. That's right. Uh, That's right. Uh, from our head to our heart to our hands, mm-hmm. uh, a cerebral, intellectual uh, enjoyment, passionate, uh, enamored uh, right. actions. Well, I was going to say, with our fallen nature, uh, there's a problem uh, in that we don't do that. So how do we know how to rightly worship now? Well, we've already hinted at this some in our past episodes when we've talked about, for instance, the census divinitatis, the sense of the divine that every one of us is created with. It's all coming together. God has made us to worship him and to know him. But do we is the question. Yeah. So we're now we're we're talking about though in a worship um in one manner what we're talking about here right now is a worship of all of life but then there seems to be like you said a compartmentalization uh uh when we're supposed to actually like do worship and that's kind of more like the churchy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um well uh where do the two meet like I mean how 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 do we know to appropriate worship to appropriately worship in church and in life and uh how do we know what's correct worship? I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I think all of us would agree that it's the word of God that basically guides us on how we are to worship. Um, it's the word of God alone. This, this is why we believe in the principle of sola scriptura. We derive all our practices in the church um, based on the word of God. Now, uh, when it comes to the contemporary worship music in church i think that's it's derived basically as as we talked about from the from uh from the beginning as i mentioned the reason why we do it is because it makes me feel good it it draws me closer to the lord it it uh makes me feel a certain way um and you know that i th- that's not why we do, we do worship in in that sense the the music side of it that's not why we sing these songs in a church we sing the songs that we do in a church uh first off if they glorify the lord and second of all if they are um scripturally faithful to the word of god so we've been talking a lot here about worship and particularly a lot of things that maybe are ways we shouldn't worship and things we shouldn't focus on in worship. So if we aren't going to do those things, what should we do instead? Like some, for instance, might go so far as to say we should only sing the Psalms. What do you think of that? So to answer that question, should we only sing Psalms in the church? 
Um, you know, my quick reaction, my quick, uh, just a, my quick response would say yes, because um, to sing scripture is always safe, especially when it's interpreted correctly. Singing scripture is always going to be the safest route. But when it comes to hymns, I would say singing other uninspired songs, I would say yes. Reason being, I think Bavink has a, a really, really uh, good section in his dogmatics. Fourth volume. Yeah. And, you know, he said, I think he says in, yeah, it says right here, uh, this is on page 449 of his dogmatics. And he says right here, for that, for that reason, we must definitely distinguish between the word of God and scripture, not in the sense that the word of God could be found only in scripture and was not scripture itself, but in this other sense that the word is most, in most cases does not come to us at all as scripture that is in the form of scripture in fact it comes in such a way that having been absorbed from scripture into the consciousness of the church it proceeds from there to the most diverse peoples in the forms of admonition and speech nurture and education books magazines tracts, and speeches and exerts its effect so yeah Bavink is basically saying here that the word of god is found we have to make a distinction between the word of God and scripture. God is always behind his word. It's always living and active. And so Bavink is saying that when man produces uninspired material or books, like he says he talks about books, tracts, uh, education, that is in agreement with what is found in scripture, that that's where the word of God is found. Um, and I think that's why singing hymns is a permissible thing be as long as they align with what scripture teaches. So how would we distinguish this from, say, like a Roman Catholic position where they would say, well, the church can decide if something is canonical or whatnot. Like, say they wanted to take a particular song, they could elevate it to the authority of scripture if they wanted. How do we avoid that kind of mistake or how do we distinguish Bob Inc.'s view from that? Yeah, I think when it comes to the to the um, uh, the Roman Catholic position, we have to distinguish between the church and the word. And in the Roman Catholic scheme, the church decides what the word says. But in the Reformed position, it's the word that creates the church. It is the spirit in the it, that creates the church. And so uh, Bob Inc. even says this. On, on the top of the of 449, he says, uh, Just as in every person from one's earliest existence, God inscribes the work of the law in their hearts and plants in them the seed of religion. Census divinevitatis. <laughs> yeah, that Latin term, you know. Census divinevitatis. <laughs> yeah, the sense of the divine. That dead yeah. language. So you're saying there's a... Bringing that Calvinistic theologies. So you're saying that even in the, in the first... Uh, as it is, there is there is the census divinitatis and uh, that the Lord, through general revelation, makes it so we can actually express what is okay. But on the other end, uh, you're saying the word of God is what is ultimately guiding what we can include. Like what the content of the word is what's guiding what we can include in a song. Yes, correct. Yeah. But the problem, though, when, when, you, when we bring this into contemporary worship is that they also use scripture in those songs. Like 
Uh, I could think of many songs, you know, the Lord is good. How many times do we see that in scripture? Many, many times. The problem, though, is the meaning behind what they mean by the Lord is good. So it's the content, ultimately. Um, yeah, Bobbing says this right here. Yet it is always a word of God that is never just a sound, but a power. Not mere information, but an accomplishment of his will. It's, it's revelation, basically. So it's more the word of God being used the way it's intended to be used, you know, as opposed to saying like, well, the Lord is good because I have a good family and I'm happy and I'm healthy and I'm rich. It's the Lord is good, even if that's not so, even if I suffer, even if it's everything is going wrong. The Lord is good because that is who he is. That is what he is in his being. Correct. It presupposes yes. us. Yes. It. Yeah. The um. Want to add in there? Uh, if, if this is the case, um, I mean, I, I'm I'm a big advocate on singing psalms in worship. Uh, I'm not sure if I would necessarily say exclusive uh, psalmody. I would say like what our church order says in the URC in the United Reformed Church is the the psalms need to have the the predominant, the the main principal place, place. the principal place um, in the worship service. And so I'm going to choose if uh, we have four songs, I'm going to probably choose three out of four psalms. Um, but, uh, you know, if we include a hymn or a song, uh, you know, does this mean we're making it subjective? Like, you know, a psalm is objective as the word of God. Um, you know, are we making it subjective if it's a hymn? Well, I mean, I think if, if the if we are utilizing what God has written on our hearts and the, the law written on our hearts, uh, the word revealed by the spirit, ultimately, um, then we can use theological writings in the service of worship. Uh, and I'm not talking about just for songs, but uh, I mean, I don't know about our Baptist or congregational brothers and sisters, but uh for us in the reformed we have uh we have forms uh that we read we have uh written statements Correct. we have creeds and confessions and even even forms that we read out things that pastors and elders have you know come together and written for the church to read and teach on before we do baptism or the lord's supper uh we call them preparatory forms and uh we do those in the liturgy, not just in the sermon. So we're, we're, we're using theological forms, theological writings, uh, just like we would use a theological quote in a sermon. We utilize uh, written forms in a liturgy uh, from the capacity of the church's ordained pastors and teachers and approved of by consistories or higher assemblies. Even just beyond that, something we do particularly in the Dutch Reformed tradition we have catechetical preaching. We mentioned this before when we talked about the church, but Caleb and I this summer have actually been preaching through the Belgic Confession, using that as our basis for what we're preaching. And some are uncomfortable with that. They say, well, why not just preach scripture? Well, we're preaching it because it is biblical. It is a biblical system of doctrine. And so then we are presenting it as the biblical system of doctrine that it is. Yes. And this is what I this is what I think Bobik is getting at, um, in his in his dogmatics in the in the the passage I just read a few moments ago, that God is behind His Word, and God gives pastors and teachers 
um, to preach and to teach his word. And God uses these men to further define what the church should believe um, as defined in the word of God. And so that's why we are confessional. This is what, and I, that, that's why we can preach the catechism because it's a faithful system of doctrine as, as it describes the doctrines found in the scripture. We hope you're enjoying this conversation with Rudy Manrique on Bavink on Worship. We'll have to pause here for now, but join us next week for the conclusion. Maybe this discussion has raised some questions for you. If that's so, you can always email us at bovcast at gmail.com or contact us on social media. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and will join us for part two. And until then, tote zines. Thank you for listening to Bovcast. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and leave a five-star review where you get your podcasts. For the latest Bovcast news and updates, visit bovcast.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Bovcast is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Subscribe to the Society of Reformed Podcasters feed to hear more great theological content. Music is City of God by Rudy Manrique. We hope you'll join us again next time.